what a beautiful, gentle way to begin our time together this morning in worship. Thank you, team. Those, many of those words, of course, come straight from God's word. And this, uh, it's particularly beautiful when we're able to sing those words and see them affect us in our lives. Very recently, God looked down on the earth and he didn't like what he saw. So he thought he'd better get a close-up view of this, so he sent down one of his better angels. He couldn't send Jesus again. That would sort of spoil the, the, the plan. He wasn't due to go yet. So he sent one of his angels down, and the angel came back and said, yes, it's every bit as bad as you think. It's 95% bad and 95% good. Oh, dear, says God, what do we do? Well, before I'm, he made any precipitate responses to that, he decided he'd send another angel to get a second opinion. It's always valuable, isn't it, second opinion? And so this angel came back and said, Yep, 95% of the people are bad, 95% of them are good. So God decided he would have to do something about that, so he, he sent a, an email and, or a text to the 5% to encourage them. You know what that text and email said? You didn't get one either. Gotcha. <laughs> Just a joke. Just a joke. Very fictitious. But it, some, some of you got it, obviously. <laughs> I'll, I'll be interested to find out what it was later. <laughs> We're in this series, a new series, a five-week series called Pause My Life. And uh, last week, Christy commenced that for us and, and got us into the thinking of this rhythm of Revisiting, reflecting, and uh, reminding ourselves of what God has done, and then using that as a platform to launch or plan for what's ahead of us in anticipation of what God would do. And here at Door of Hope, one of our key values, our six key values, is growing. And it's stated as we choose to actively follow Jesus, committed to continual growth. And this five-week series is, will provide an opportunity to do a self-check on our personal spiritual growth and to begin to think and plan for our deliberate and continual growth. I acknowledge, of course, that not all of us are at the same Place. We're all at different stages in our journey of our understanding and journey with Jesus and the church and what that's all about and who God is and where he fits in this picture and uh, what we call uh, different stages in the um, uh, hope pathway. Some are just exploring what this all means. Some by visiting in person and we welcome you this morning, all of you in the house, and those who visit online or watch online or even follow through at later stages and watch on demand. So greeting to you. You are all welcome this morning. 
I'm going to share some of my own journey and experiences with this pause in my life, where I revisit, reflect, and begin planning the next chapter of the uh, journey as I continue my 75th lap around the sun. Do you realise before, before um, Copernicus, uh, the Earth used to um, be the centre of the universe and the sun used to go round, but it's all changed since then. <laughs> I'm doing this by reflecting on um, Paul's letter to the Colossians, particularly the first two chapters. And I would like you to hear what I share this morning, uh, not as information that I've gathered or knowledge that I have or st from study, but hear my heart for personal growth, it's personal spiritual growth, growth. A passage you hear quoted around Door of Hope here quite often is from Romans 12.2, which is uh, roughly put as be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this series is such an opportunity for our renewing and transforming. And here's what I've discovered as I revisited, reflected, and began planning for my final lapse of the sun. Firstly, I revisited what I know about God. I know God is my father. I know God is my father. I was raised in a Christian home, and I'm, I'm very grateful to my late earthly father and mother for exposure to a small church community from birth introducing me to the Bible as God's word and teaching me to pray to my Father in heaven and also I had the privilege of sitting under some inspired teaching and preaching. And there's two aspects to this God is my Father, God is our Father. There's the aspect of our God is, who is in, our Father who is in heaven, like we, we pray in the Lord's Prayer, our Father who is in heaven, who art in heaven or does art in heaven. Um, <laughs> and, that, and that implies a, a personal relationship, our Father who is in heaven, and we can pray to him personally. And in Colossians, Paul puts it this way, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And the second aspect is also the Father of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.3, Paul says, in our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I know God is my Father, both personally and from God's Word, the Bible. The second thing I know about God is that his firstborn is Jesus Christ. God's firstborn is Jesus Christ. And Colossians 1, the second a part of verse 15, where it says, the firstborn of all creation. Now, I looked this up in a commentary to get a bit of my head around it, and it, it says, note that Jesus is called the firstborn, not the first created. The word firstborn signifies priority. priority. In the culture of the ancient Near East, the firstborn was not necessarily the oldest child. Firstborn referred not to birth order, but to rank. The firstborn possessed the inheritance and leadership. And the commentary went on to say, therefore the phrase firstborn of all creation 
expresses Christ's sovereignty over creation. He's in charge of it. After resurrecting Jesus from the dead, God gave him all authority. In Matthew, the end of Matthew, it talks about all authority is given unto me, Jesus says. Jesus created the world, saved the world, and rules the world. He is the self-existent, acknowledged head of creation, the commentary said. So thirdly, I know that the Son, Jesus Christ, is the image of the Father. In uh, Colossians 1.15, he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And there's two meanings behind this word image uh, that I understand. And the first one is uh, there's a likeness. Image is a likeness, as in what you would see on a coin or in a mirror. Uh, And it's a reflection of what that person or that image is. And then there's also the meaning behind it of manifestation. Now, that's a big word that simply means made known by what happens. And so with the sense that God is fully revealed in Jesus. So Jesus is the manifestation of the invisible God, not just the image, not made in the image, but the image of pre-existent to creation. And that's revealed by the functioning of Jesus and his, his God activity. He demonstrated God to us. So not just the image of, but fully God. In Colossians, it, in the first two chapters, it actually states this twice. One nineteen says, For in him all the fullness... You can't get much better than fullness, can you? It's full. If it's fullness... It's overflowing of God was pleased to dwell. And in 2.9 it says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. You know, it's almost there to like to say, well, if you didn't get this the first time I said it, I'll say it again another way and reinforce it for you. And, you know, that's the mystery of the incarnation. And incarnation uh, has nothing to do with that sweet milk you can buy. It means that Jesus was God come down to earth as a baby and grew to be a man, demonstrated God fully and man fully to us. And the record of that, of course, is in God's word. God came down. It's it's a real mystery in a sense is that it can't be explained other than by the heart of faith. And yet he's fully man as well as fully God. In Hebrews, the writer puts it, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathise with our weaknesses. And this is sort of reminding us of the Jewish background of having a high priest to intervene between man and God. But we have one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that brings to my mind Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8, where we got this almost a hymn or a poem. It says, Who, though he existed, and he's talking about Jesus, in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped 
but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, assuming human likeness. And being found in appearance as a human, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I know the Son, Jesus, is the creator. That's the fourth thing I know for certain. I know the Son, Jesus, is the creator. See, this is very important to me as a person who was originally scientifically trained. Uh, in Colossians 1.16 it says, For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. There is no doubt, you see, in my mind that Jesus is the author of all creation. I, I believe in the Genesis account of creation. Fact. I believe in the Genesis account of creation. Jesus himself is not a created being, though. He is before all things. He existed with God. A.T. Robertson, a Southern Baptist preacher and author, says the permanence of the universe rests then on Christ far more than on gravity. It is a Christ-centric universe. The universe rests far more on Christ than it does on gravity. That's wonderful for my scientific mind. My experience of uh, working in pathology affirmed, affirmed, not dispelled, affirmed my belief in the Creator. I gained head knowledge as I studied for a diploma in lab technology, but God's Holy Spirit really opened my eyes and my heart, and the knowledge and appreciation of God's creation shifted from head to heart. My faith was being transformed by the renewing of my mind. No conflict. I remember distinctly that first time I got to examine a piece of human tissue down a microscope, prepared for a microscope reading. And it was like opening up a whole new world. It was like a map of the universe right in front of me. It was like a map of God's creative power, each little part of that working together to... to um, be part of the life of a person. And that uh, really blew my mind. So I revisited what I know about God. And secondly, I reflected on what I've experienced of God. So there's nothing wrong with fondly remembering the things God has done in and through us since we came to faith in Jesus Christ. I still have moments where I go back in my mind to our time in Papua New Guinea in mission and times when Craig and I shared ministry here at Door of Hope in the early days when it was Launceston Church of Christ. And there's nothing wrong with going back and, and, and re-examining those things. God can use the past to teach us important lessons and to give us reasons to praise and thank him for his goodness. We shouldn't try to completely forget the past, but we also shouldn't let the past keep us from looking forward to what God has in store for us today and in the future. And I love it the way Christy put it, in anticipation. You know, that gets the, the impression of you're right on the 
Balls of your feet and toes ready in anticipation. Two pivotal things I reflected on. First one is God rescued, redeemed and reconciled me through Jesus Christ. The three R's, not reading, writing and arithmetic, <laughs> but the three R's that are more important. In Colossians 1.13, Paul puts it, he has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption, bought back by rescue, by ransom, deliverance from. It brings to mind the worship song. I remember where I put it. Oh, sorry about that. Um, brings to mind the worship song that we sing sometimes called Here I Am to Worship. And there's a line that always gets me. Says, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. That reminds me of another moment in 1965 at a Christian rally held at Matric College where I was a student at the time. I distinctly recall finding myself walking down the carpeted aisleway to the front in response to the speaker's challenge, to the call of Christ on my life. It was that personal. And if I remember correctly, the hymn was, All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Only it was in the right tune. <laughs> and I ended up at the front committing my life to Jesus in a deeper, more meaningful way. Colossians 1.20, and through him, Jesus, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. By making peace through the blood of cross. cross. And one, one commentary puts that, concept of making peace like this. He says, God reconciled man to himself implies that he takes away by the blood of Jesus the barrier which God's justice must put in front of us. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the punishment of sin is death. And yet the blood of Jesus steps in there and interposes against that and enables us to be in union with God. Is there a time you can recall when you knew you were rescued, redeemed and reconciled to God through the work of Jesus on the cross? Well, no, perhaps there isn't a time yet. I say yet. Perhaps this morning you would consider what those three hours might be for you. And secondly, I have experienced the grace of God. In Colossians 1, 6, and uh, the writer is talking about the word of truth, the gospel, that has come to you just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. 
truly comprehended, truly comprehended, not fully comprehended. That's the mystery of God. We cannot fully comprehend it, I don't believe, this side of being in glory with him. And the two periods of my life where I believe I grew the most in my relationship with God were times when I spent the most time with God and his word. Self-study, course study, deliberate, organised in depth and defined depth, <laughs> depth uh, in depth and defined study. I was immersed in God's word. This was in the early eighties, and as a result of that, pretty much I ended up in Papua New Guinea. Don't get earnest with God's word unless you're prepared to go where He sends. And there have been times in between where I know I have coasted and lost a lot of what we now call our Jesus-centred others' focus. But God's grace is extended to all. He desires that none should perish. And I have learnt that if I'm not growing, I'm actually going backwards. Have you ever been on one of those travelators in the big airports? You know, and some people love to walk really quickly on the travelator so they just fly past you if you're on the ordinary corridor. And it feels like you're going backwards when you're walking down the corridor because everybody else is going past you effortlessly, you know. They go past. It's a bit like that. For me, personally, to be able to continue in the preaching team is, I believe, an expression of God's grace for me. Another growing opportunity for me, gathering as the preaching community does for encouragement and teaching and being mentored. So have re, having revisited with you some of what I know about God and, and having reflected on what are some of the experienced of God, I need to keep moving forward. I need to get on that travel later, as it were, to keep growing. And to do that, I need to plan to grow. I need to plan. I need to establish that rhythm. And so thirdly, I plan to know and experience more of God. And the three aspects of that planning that I'm undergoing at the moment is that the starting point really is I can know more of God. I can know more of God. I've got to assent to that in my mind before I set out on this growing phrase. I can know more of God. It's the starting point. In Colossians 1.10b, it says, as you grow in the knowledge of God. And I see it like as not if you grow, but as you grow. And commentaries that I've looked up give me the sense of that word knowledge is of God's character, discovered by walking with him. Immerse myself in God's word regularly. And I choose to use the 20 minutes in the chair process that we have here available to us to do that as a starting point. Colossians 2, chapter 2, verse 2 says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love. This is Paul addressing the church at Colossae. I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ. I want your hearts to I want your hearts to be encouraged and united in love. You know, growing 
is best done in community. It's like if you've got a plant, it grows best in either compost or a potting mix or soil, doesn't it? It doesn't grow on its own. And we need to be in community, together in community to grow best. Alpha, Connect, Life Groups, Hope Rising, Discipleship Opportunities. All of these things give me a medium in which to grow, to be encouraged and to be stretched by others. In Proverbs 27, 17, it uses this phrase, iron sharpens iron. Rubbing together, you know, when I have to uh, improve the cutting edge on uh, Janet's gardening implements, I get another piece of iron out called a file, specially made, and it takes the edge away and makes it sharp. Iron sharpens iron, best together in community. So frequency attendance at worship services is another thing that I put into my plan. And one of the things I have been doing of late is attending the 5pm services, and I've just been so encouraged by those young people and the enthusiasm that occurs at those services. We're so staid and formal here in the morning. That's not a criticism, it's just a fact of life, it's who we are. But I'll tell you what, at night, things get a little looser. <laughs> and uh, I personally enjoy that. Uh, it takes me back a bit. It takes me back a bit. And these are part of my plan for this year. Uh, why don't you consider connecting together in community with one of these growth opportunities? And secondly, I can know more of God's will. I can know more of God, but I can also know more of God's will for my life. In Colossians 1.9, Paul says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Oh, come on, Thread. Thank you. I can know more of God's will. And my understanding of this is that, for me, there are two aspects to God's will. There's his sovereign will, in other words, his authority, his rulership will, which is, I understand from God's word. That's where his sovereign will is. So I want to know God's real sovereign will, all I've got to do is become familiar with his word. And there it is. Tells me what God wants to do. You know, something as simple as the Ten Commandments. That's part of God's will for us. And how he sent prophets and then sent Jesus. That's all part of God's will for us, our understanding of that. That's his desire for all. And then there's what I call my personal, God's personal will for me or permissive will, permitted will for me. And that comes to me through prayer and seeking God's desire in addition, his desire for me personally, in addition to what he requires of all of us or what he desires of all of us. For instance, I'll give you an example. Back in the 80s, Janet and I were seeking to respond to God's call on our life, his sovereign will through his scripture, his word of God. To present our bodies as living sacrifices, as Romans puts it. 
And we were getting at that through the study of God's word and, and community. And then there came to us his permissive will for us. I thought at one stage I would end up at Bible College in Sydney teaching. God had other ideas. When we discovered his permissive will, it was the deep, dark jungles of PNG. No, it wasn't. It was the lovely beach resort of Medang in Papua New Guinea. But that, my brother-in-law used to call us the holiday makers. But you see, it was within God's will for us. We were responding, but he had that slight shift. This would be better for you. You could do that. And who knows, I ended up here preaching for 13 years, but that's beside the point. That's the, the tail end of that. But God was saying, there is a need here, and you can fill it. And so we ended up, both of us ended up with our family in Papua New Guinea for four and a half. And that was by seeking God through prayer and, and, and word study and so on. And it was confirmed by others. We were meeting in a small, what we called home groups those days, but it's a, we call connect groups these days. And that, we'd been with that group for years and they prayed for us about this issue and we got clear confirmation from them. And thirdly, I know God's power will strengthen me. God's power will strengthen me. Colossians 1, Paul says, May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And I don't believe that's physical strength he's talking about. And boy, am I glad. <laughs> if it was up to physical strength, I wouldn't be here struggling. But even so, God has enabled me with his strength to do what he wants me to do at this time. God can do anything, you know. We just sang this far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. And that's from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. God can do anything, you know. It's inner strength. Christian life of obedience is an adventure. You know, you need to fasten your seatbelts at times. So this morning, what do you imagine for the future? What do you try and guess about the future, perhaps? What are you planning for the future? What do you request for the future? Have you asked God to show you his personal will for you? Have you sought him? Is it anticipation versus expectation, as Christy reminded us? Personally, I want to finish strongly. I don't know how many more laps around the sun I've got, but as long as God gives me breath and keeps this thing here beating, I want to finish strongly. Can I suggest to you this morning that I need you to finish strongly too? You, as you need me to finish strongly. This is what I draw from being together in community. Iron sharpens iron. We need each other. I'm going to pray briefly now for us and then we're going to spend a little moment in reflection. Let me pray for you.
Father, I pray that as each of us pauses to revisit what has our past have been, to reflecting on what God has been doing or is doing in our life, and being deliberate in placing ourselves in places for growth, spiritual growth, to encourage each other to finish strong. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Lord Jesus, keep my eyes focused on what you have in store for me today and in the future. Amen. Now there's going to be some things on the screen to facilitate you reflecting and pondering and perhaps even begin planning this morning. I encourage you to spend this time profitably with God.